Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Bergio, and I am so excited to bring you my dear friend, Leslie Logan. She has onlinepilatesclass.com, and we're going to talk to you guys today all about, well, all the things, because we're girls and we like to talk about all the things, but mainly we're going to focus on how we grew our businesses to where they're at now. So if you guys have been following me for a while, you've seen I was a behind-the-chair stylist, salon owner, now turned into beauty mentor, coach, podcast, all the things. And where does that come from? And it's it's fun when I can sit down with another like-minded person who's taken this similar journey to a service-based business with one-on-one clients to now evolving to something online, thinking bigger about pivoting and what the world is looking like for them because of COVID and all the things. So welcome to the show, Leslie. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? You're doing good. Leslie and I actually, we've just been talking for the last like hours because we just went live. She is sharing her um, online Pilates class and thought it would be a benefit to the beauty industry, which it is because we all have to take care of our bodies now that we're back in the salon. And um, I was like, let's jump on and do a podcast too because we have so much we could share with everybody. I know. I'm really loving it. Like that my whole morning is with you. <laughs> Can we somehow do this every week? <laughs> um, okay. So Leslie and I met uh, probably like a year and a half. Maybe it's been like two years ago. Because when was the Bliss Project? Maybe last September? It's been about a year and a half. Yeah. It's almost uh, I, It's almost two years. Because it's the Bliss Project of 2019. Right. That we just like, like our hearts like found each other over a workout outfit. And... <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you meet your people, you just connect and it's like, you can stray far, but you're always kind of watching and seeing how people are are evolving because I feel like when you can connect with certain people and that's why this is so important because there's so many Pilates instructors, there's so many hairdressers, there's so many online business coaches, there's so many beauty business mentor coaches, right? But you have to find people that you resonate with that you can like, sharing their stories. You think that they're funny. They, they somehow touch something in you that reminds you of you. So anytime you see somebody doing big things or you admire them, just remember that you are seeing that in yourself as well. And that's, I think Leslie and I kind of share that vibe. Um, and, and I've just watched you like evolve into this amazing human, which you already were when I met you, but like to take what you had and to grow it into what it is, and then pivot even more because the world shut down and gave us a bitch slap of our life. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where to start because I know we we decided to join this mastermind separately, but we ended up in this mastermind together. And I don't know about for you, that was the first mastermind that I'd ever been a part of. It was the first mastermind I'd ever been a part of. I didn't even know what a mastermind was. And my husband was definitely like, what are you doing? What? He's like, he really was afraid. He's like, what, what are you, what are you getting into? Like, what are they going to like brainwash you? With? <laughs> and, and you know, it's so funny is I got him to do, I did that same mastermind again with him. I got him to do it with me and we can talk about how that changed our lives in a different, in, in a moment. But I remember seeing you in that room and going, Oh, thank God. I know someone, even though all we talked was like two minutes on an outfit, but like, I just felt like I had met a soul sister and I like, I was like, I'm going to sit with her because I know her. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what this is. And I had so much imposter syndrome in that room because there were so many people with all these amazing businesses that they already talked about. And, um, I know you were there with an idea. I was there with like a couple things that were like trudging along and um I was trying to like get them to the next level um and I I just needed to be in that room and everything um that I have right now is from just different things I was inspired by in those rooms by those people and getting to meet people like you same and I feel like there's so much fear around like jumping into something like that or committing to like you have a course for business um what, what, you help other businesses run their online fitness yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a program called agency. It's with my profitable Pilates business. Um, and I work with fitness instructors on really helping them grow their business and, and work on their money mindset. Also like their marketing, their ideal client, their schedule, all the stuff that people who are in the service industry understand it's all the same. And, um, so I have, I have that aspect and I, I work a lot with people in, in there just like really getting them to understand like, you know, how to jump in to a room like that. It's very scary. Um, and, and, and you, and you don't really know what you're going to get. I know. And, and it's, I knew at that moment when I said yes, that I could either stay in the same situation I was in, which was comfortable and I was okay. 
like you said, trudging along. I don't know if I would say trudging. I just was like, I can play small and it's really safe right here. And it's fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. I was like, you know, in my mid thirties and it's just like, things were okay. And I was like, you should be happy with what you have. Like stay in your lane. Like you're good. Like you're making six figures. Like don't, don't try to do too much. Like, but it's like, I, that must've been some sort of conditioned belief as to if I made too much money, then I don't know if I showed up my friends and acted smarter or better than, than I would lose them as friends. And that was all. I so understand that. I had that entire like, um, experience actually happen while I was in the mastermind. And I felt, and I still sometimes feel so, um, not lonely, but like alone in my journey, which sometimes you have to be in it yourself to really like be able to focus because I'm one of those people that I care what other people think. And so I'm always like up for like someone's opinion. I'm like, so what do you guys think about this? Or what do you think about that? But what I quickly realized is for so long, I was asking the wrong people's advice. I was asking people who weren't where I wanted to be. I wasn't asking people who were making more than me, how they got there. I was talking to people that, that weren't doing the things that I wanted to be doing. So I, I felt wrong and weird. And so when you get into a room like that with 50 other people and everyone's like, yeah, girl, do it. Like, you're like, you feel so empowered. I know. I really, it was, I was so nervous. I had that, like I said earlier, I was like imposter syndrome and hearing everyone's stories. And like, we had to go up and like brag about ourselves. And like, I was like, what am I going to brag about? Like, I, like, I, like, I'm just a Pilates teacher, which is not even true, but like you, like, um, I quickly learned that I have a fear of success and I've like had this like idea that if I had more success and like some of my friends wouldn't like me anymore, I don't know where that came from. And like, I come from a family that it's like, you work really hard you take promotions, you have this job and this is the life that you have. And that didn't resonate with me, but I didn't know any different. And so it's really hard when like you, you, I say trudging. Cause I was like, I, I know I'm supposed to be doing something bigger and better than what I am doing. Not that what I wasn't doing wasn't impactful and amazing and I wasn't successful, but I just felt this calling and I didn't understand where the calling was trying to take me because I'd never seen anyone do it. Yes. That resonates so heavily with me. Like, I mean, I would go as far as I remember asking my mom, my mom's a pretty successful business owner. And I remember asking my mom one time, we grew up in, a, in, it's called East County out here in, in San Diego. It's called Canty. And it's like, you know, back in the day, it had a bad nickname called Clanty. Like that's how gnarly where I grew up. I mean, that was 30, 40 fucking years ago. Sorry, I don't know how old I am. And it's like crazy to look back. I remember asking her one time, knowing that she was as successful as she was, why we never moved out of that area, why we didn't move somewhere nicer or whatever. And I remember she said something to me like, I'd rather be the big fish in a small pond than the small fish in a big pond. And I remember thinking, Ooh, I don't like that. I don't, that's right. wow. Well, how to way to play small mom. Like, and it, that resonated so hard with me. Like I'm always one that to like challenge everything. So I'm sure she said X. I was like, Nope. Why? Like I always have to go against everything she says, <laughs> but it's like always had this drive in me that I'm like, that's not going to be me. Like I'm never going to put myself okay. in a box to where like I've hit the ceiling and I can never go any further. I, so I grew up in a town called Lodi, Lodi, California. And if ask your parents, if you're not an elder millennial, uh, it's like who created Clearwater's revival is. And you'll hear a song very famous. Oh Lord, stuck in Lodi again. They freaking got stuck there. Their van broke down. Like they had beards. They were hippies in this like super, super conservative town. And they like did a concert to like make money to get out of town. And that song, I was like, I cannot be stuck here. Like this, this is not, I just remember being in like high school and this is not where I'm supposed to be. Then I'm like, I'm in the wrong place. And I just, I just needed to get out. And so I like left as soon as I could and like took on student loans and like got a degree in anything. <laughs> I, I, I really did. And I, when I became a flight instructor, it's 12 years ago now. Um, I didn't even, first of all, someone had to tell me that I could become a flight instructor. I actually, Thought, well, I went to college, I have this loan, I have all this debt, and I'm just gonna run a jewelry store. You know, that's gonna be my thing. And someone's like, You should teach. And I'm like, Can I? Like, how do you know what you do? And they're like, You just go take a training program. And like, guys, I wish I had known that four years before because I had taken on 80,000 student loans and I could have taken on an 8,000 training. <laughs> well, that's what's crazy. Like, some people will go into 60, 70,000 dollars of debt 
to get a four-year degree, but they won't invest like seven to $10,000 into a mastermind like we did. I think it's yeah. definitely like an unknown thing, but um, now my money, I did not realize I had the money mindset block. I did not realize that spending money on investing in myself, what I had a huge block around it. You know, I would... I, mean, I would make good money at the salon. I have no problem spending $500 shopping or a thousand to $1,500 going on a vacation. Not even a, a second of a thought. I worked hard. I deserve it. Buy it. Okay. Yeah. I have all this stuff, but like internally, nothing has grown. I just have all this external shit. And yeah. being in the beauty industry, that kind of, you know, that was like what, that was like the facade I thought I had to keep up. And you know, if I could just maintain this level of making six figures, well, I've been in the game 20 years, like six figures, like in San Diego, it, it's, it's decent money, but it's still not like, it's, it's nowhere near like, fuck you money. Like, and I want to like be able to get to a place where I can make choices on what I do in my life, not on a place of, do I have enough money? So that's where like yeah. my push. I hear you. Yeah. And to be able to give back. Like I know you visited third world countries and you guys have a connection with like people over there. So, um, you know, a give back yeah. is a big thing too. I have, I've wanted to be able to donate money and give money for so long. And, um, I had to change my money mindset, but like you, like I, I started making six figures as a flight instructor pretty early on. And so, um, and so like, I eventually you're like, okay, but when do I get the next, like, how am I get to the next level? And I was really struggling to see how I could do that. Cause I didn't want to own a studio with like 30 teachers. I managed nine studios in my teaching uh, career. And, um, and I, I don't actually love managing people. I love coaching people. <laughs> and there's a difference. There's a difference. When did you figure that out? Um, you know, I figured it out, um, probably, well, I should actually, I figured it out earlier, uh, before I became a, a quality studio manager. And then I figured out when I was managing people in jewelry store, like I had, uh, you know, California at all, I was in Orange County. I ran a high-end boutique in Southwest Plaza. And so we're doing over a million dollars in sales. Uh, we sold $5 mint boxes to $20,000 bracelets. Like it was a really cute, unique boutique that unfortunately we don't see anymore since the 2008 recession. But, um, I, I, um, I just like, I wanted, I just, um, I think it's like, I'm so sorry. Can you person edit this out? Cause I lost my train of thought. Cause my dog is barking like a crazy person. <laughs> so there we go. Okay. So I learned then when I was managing 17 salespeople that I actually don't like managing people. I don't. I don't understand how you, I didn't understand how like you could make more money by just selling more things and I could train you and all that. And like you would sit there and just want to stand around and do nothing or you'd want to be late or you'd complain about how much money you weren't making. I just, that didn't work with me. And then I was, and then I was offered a job managing quality studios. And for some reason I thought it would be different and it really isn't like, um, I wanted to coach people on how to be better instructors and run their businesses. And I couldn't do that because I had to actually like manage them. Like the studio had goals and I had to get the goals and they had to show up on time. And then for those of you who understand California, there's like laws about clocking in and out and there's like breaks and there's all this stuff. And like, all I want to do is like actually help them understand why they teach and who they want to teach and help them teach those people. And I couldn't do that. And, and if that's not the fault of the company I worked for, that's just a different job. And so I was like, you know, if I actually want to coach people, I just need to set up a coaching business for people. And even now we have three businesses, we have three companies and my husband, he's the manager. Like I don't manage the team. I share the vision. I share the leadership, but like, I don't actually manage the teams day to day, what they do, who does what that's really not into me. And so for me as a applied instructor making six figures, all I could see in the industry to make more money was you either had to make DVDs, which, you know, now no one does that, or you had to have big studios or multiple studios. And I was like, none of that sounds fun to me. <laughs> Literally, if, if you guys are listening and you're in the hair industry, like hang in there because if th this should be resonating so hard in the same manner as like managing a salon or 
thinking that you want to open a salon. So I'll be completely transparent. I own a salon and I, in the last year have discovered, I hate managing people. I hate it. I hate it for the exact same fucking reasons you just said. Why would you not want to make more money and not necessarily work more, but like it, and it turned out like I would rather coach you if you wanted to be coached. I would rather help guide you to what you say you want versus telling you what to do and, and making sure you take the trash out and making sure you clean up after yourself and that you're on time for your clients and you don't cancel your days because you just don't feel like coming in. Um, that was, that was a really big eye opener to me. And I, I, I didn't think I would enjoy managing, managing per se, but I did think, um, I like having my own space. I will tell you that I like having something I created. So opening the salon was not for nothing. And there, there's also a big part of me that felt like I couldn't coach other salon owners if I didn't open my own salon. I felt like I had to go on this journey. I had to learn it. I had to actually invest the money into a space to be able to share in those stories later with other owners. You know, I had to have my own struggles and version of whatever it was to be able to relate to them. And I get that so much. I I totally do because managing nine studios for another company is not the same as opening my own studio. And so I definitely opened up my own studio um, as part of like a way to say like I've ran studios, I've rented studios, I have owned my own studio. um, And, uh, but I did it in that I was like, I'm going to open a studio that Oh, I alone can actually pay the rent. So like I, and I think this is something a lot of people can do. Like my studio was inside of an office space uh, because people are not walking in LA. And even if they do, they're not like looking around like, for, Oh, here's a ply suit. I was looking for that. Let me walk in. Like I have been in so many brick and mortar ply suits and watch people walk in and I never feel those people come in. So like, I was like, I don't need that. I have to do the same marketing, whether you can see my studio or not. And I really wanted to be able to travel still. And I didn't want to worry about my studio if I wasn't around. So I just found a space that was big enough for me and I could pay the bills and I could run the studio. And um, I got to have that experience. Um, Looking back, like, you know, I definitely think uh, it was kind of a closed mindset on like how I could take my business next level. Cause I could have had a big studio and just hired a really freaking awesome manager. Um, But I also think that like, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And so I'm really grateful, especially right now, I was able to pivot really fast um, when COVID happened, just because my studio was so small. Um, and, and so that I'm grateful for. I mean, I, we all, everything happens the way it's supposed to. Totally. And the part of the city would be with what you just said was, just because we can do something doesn't mean we have to or should do it. I feel like a lot of people, especially right now, I've seen a lot of people leaving the salons that they were at to go open their own spaces. And while that seems like you can be in control or I know it's for mixed reasons. I know it's a main reason is so clients can feel safe because it's just you and in the, in the stylist that for sure resonates. That makes total sense. But I think a lot of people are in this situation now where some of the big salons that really provided high end services to both the stylist and the clients, a lot of those services have been taken away for now. So I feel like stylists feel like they don't, they don't want to be paying the higher rent to work in the bigger bougier salons. They might as well go do something else or I can do it better. So I'm going to go over here. And I I, I was in that phase. Like I thought the same thing long time ago, but I also knew that I didn't want the responsibility of the overhead. I didn't want the responsibility of having to worry about the space if I could or couldn't work. And there are so many pluses and minuses. And so if you are thinking about opening your own space during this time, um, you know, consult someone else who's done it too. Like we were talking about earlier, like stay around people doing the things you want to do. Don't consult with someone who hates it and doesn't want to be doing it. Consult with someone who's doing it successfully in a way that you'd like to be doing it. But the best yeah, I love, I love that you said that. I think like, you know, before you go and take on all of the responsibility, because what a lot of people don't see, like I saw how much rent I was paying on a studio, um, to the studio that I was renting from when I was in town. So when I'm not, when I wasn't in town, I'm still paying rent on that studio. Right. But before when I worked, when I, when I was renting space in someone else's studio, when I traveled, I owed them nothing. So there's a lot of convenience there. Like it didn't cost me any money to be sick, you know? Um, and the things that you don't see, the electric bill, the internet bill, the, the, the printers, the Amazon stuff, all the things. Like I think before, if you are going to do that, A, if it was on your mind before COVID, then definitely explore it. If it's only on your mind since COVID, 
I, I really would challenge you to talk to other people who've already done it and see how they're feeling about it and talk to a lot of people, um, really kind of get that idea of what their vision is because, um, I, I talked to some friends who went out on their own, uh, and in a single office space studio, I was like, how do you like it? What are the limitations? You know, because there are always pluses and minuses to everything. And so what I gained was autonomy and I could decorate however I wanted. I could be barefoot in my studio. It was amazing. What I lost was the ability to ever have classes ever again. And that's something people like, and I couldn't do that in person anymore. And so you have to, and for me, it was a trade-off that I took because I was like, well, I'm not really doing classes in person anymore since I do them online. So you just have to know what the pluses and minuses are. Like there's that book, um, Big Magic, and they say in the book, like everything in life is a shit sandwich and you just have to pick the sandwich, but the shit you can chew. (laughs) God, that's good. It's so fucking true. And, and, And when you make a decision, like me deciding to open the salon space. Like there was one bit of advice that really resonated with me. A friend of mine had opened his own studio before and it's just a four chair salon. And he is someone who could have opened a big place and had a a ton of people follow him and work for him. And I think he wanted that freedom. And so he was like, just be as lean as you can get the lowest amount of overhead that you possibly can. And what's funny is the studio space that I ended up taking was a loft space that fell on my lap from an old client of mine. And, you know, we're off the, we're off, off the street. Um, you have to go up the stairs and like, it's, you can't see us. There's no walk-ins and that's not the type of clientele I normally would get anyways in the last 20 years. So similar to like your story. Um, I think a lot of people feel like they need to go big and do the big things from the ego perspective of like, well, this is a definition of who I am. This space is a representation of me and all, all of this stuff. But you know, clients come to you for you, the same reason you pick a coach or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter if they're working from their house or if they're working from the most beautiful salon. Like, if you don't, if you don't like them at the end of the day and that person, you're not going to go back to them if you got, got champagne or if you got tap water. Okay, this, I'm obsessive. I'm so glad we're talking about this. Um, and it's true. People really will care about whatever you care about. And so um, if you feel insecure that your space is in your garage, versus a big, fancy, glamorous, all white Instagram roll space. Um, they only care because you do like it's really, and I have proof for this. So I was supposed to open my studio in September, but on August, uh, 15th, um, I had to open my studio and guys, my equipment hadn't shown up. It was delayed and it was late. And so, um, it was already gonna be late on September 1st. And I was like, well, it's only gonna be late a couple of days. I'll open anyways. Um, no, it was, I had opened up two and a half weeks before my equipment showed up. All I had was a fancy mat, which means it had a strap and handles, um, and a window chair, which probably means nothing to you. But let me just tell you, it is not the things that people, that I thought people were paying me for. And like, I definitely had this like panic. I was like, okay, I have to open. Luckily we hung three pictures and put up a plan and we had a chair, but like, honestly, like I had this beautiful 600 square foot studio with some toilet paper, bath mat and two pieces of equipment. And my clients were used to full on studios with several reformers, several Cadillacs, all the things. And I was already only going to have one of everything. And, um, I definitely had this like panic moment and I just decided that like, they get to build the dream with me. And that's what we're going to say. And so I texted them. I said, Hey guys, everything happens faster than you think. We're opening tomorrow. Confirm that you got this. This is where you park. And we're going to have a lot of fun. And I called up some friends and I was able to borrow a reformer for two weeks. I was able to borrow another piece of equipment. And my clients still came two and three times a week, even though they did not have the pieces of equipment they were used to. Why? They weren't coming for that equipment. They were coming for me and how I made them feel and what I gave to them. And so guess what? I didn't spend a single dime extra on any more decorative anything because it didn't matter. And then over time, I started to move into the space. But I mean, I really was like panicking. Like we have to have all the stuff done. We have to have all this stuff. I want it to look beautiful. They're coming to the space. And they don't, they actually just cared how I felt and how I made them feel. Oh my God. I love that. And, and that's a great reminder because... I think we think it's like the wedding, like when you're throwing a wedding, right. And you know, all the things that went wrong and you're the bride who's just so distraught because the flowers weren't right. And the cake was the wrong color and this, this, and that. And like your guests have the most amazing time. They have no idea what went wrong. They were just right. so excited. And you were the most miserable person at your own wedding because of those like couple of things that no one knew about. And it's like, 
that's one of the things I pride myself on is when my client walks in, I'm fully focused. Like it is all about them all the time. And the second that it's not, I can see the energy shift. And that's when I feel my, my business slips. And that's why I knew I couldn't open a space bigger than I could could kind of control. And, And that's also why I know I can't have people in there that aren't kind of like that. So I only have, I have five shares. I take up two and I have two other people on there right now who are very self-sufficient, kind of work part-time, take care of their business the same exact way as I do. And it works. I love that. So here's the thing that's really beautiful about that is that you knew what you needed and you knew what you wanted and you knew what you could manage and wanted to manage. And then you just went out and got that. Like the same thing with getting clients and also like, just in anything I think about what I offer, I just think about like, how do I want to show up in this space? What do I want to offer? Like, where are my boundaries in this? Who am I for? Who am I not for? So that's okay to like say no, you know, yesterday I got hit up by a woman in my DMs who wanted us se- wanted sessions. I'm not ready to take people in person because my studio is now in my house because during COVID we moved and I just said, look, I'm not doing um, in-person sessions. I'm doing virtual only, but here's what we can do. And she was like, oh, I'll, she made up like, I'll wear a mask. I'll do this. I'll wash my hand. And it was like, all the time. Like, I appreciate all that. And you still do that. <laughs> I just, um, I, I'm just not ready to bring people into my home yet. Um, cause we just don't have like our wash station ready. Like I, I want to keep it as safe for them and for my family who's here. And, um, and so it was just really funny the way she was pushy. And I finally was just like, here's my online classes. This is what you can do. I'll let you know when I'm reopening. And I was like, I don't want a client who's trying to manage me. Like that is a hard no. And so you, and being able to walk away from that and just go and not worry like, oh, I just said no to money. Oh my God, what is she going to say to all the people that she could have brought me? I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Because is there anything like you? I don't want that. I'm sorry. Not to be a bitch, but like, that's one of those things I think early on in your career, like you, you feel like you have to say yes to everything. And that is how I built. Like I did, I in my early twenties, I said yes to every client. I said yes to things I wasn't quite sure I knew how to do. I said, did you end up working seven days a week? Cause there was a moment in there I was working seven days a week. Cause I was saying yes to everybody. Cause I was like, I can't say no to people. I'm trying to build my business. Mm -hmm. And then you, and then you wake up one day, 10 years later and you're like, this is not the kind of clientele I want. They are managing me. I'm not managing them. And I want to charge more. So if I want to charge more, I probably need to elevate the kind of clients that I have. So that's when I really started to learn about like, oh, I'm the service provider. Yes, I'm grateful to have those clients. And I'm always just so grateful. But I also am something to be grateful for too. So I know my worth. And so I'm going to charge a little bit more. If I lose some of these clients, I'm okay with it. And you know, there's a, you have to get to a certain point in your business, I think, before you, before you do that. But it's also it's hard. It's hard for people. But the longer you wait, the harder it gets. Yes. Because like the longer you wait to like stick to a schedule that actually serves you, that uh, to charge the rates they actually get you paid the money you want to make, and like actually say, no, I don't want to work with clients like that. Like, yes, I can cut kids' hair. I don't want to cut kids' hair. Like the more, like the longer you wait to be like that, it's just so scary. Well, there were so many times in my career, it would, it would be like a wave of like every couple of years, I'd be like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I don't think I want to do this anymore. And I like start to look around and I've said, I have a fitness background too. So I, I did personal train throughout the years before I had my son. So probably the first 10 years, I, I also did some training and I loved it. And I went back and forth, but it's, it's a similar exchange of energy. Like it's time for money, the hour or two that they're there and it's an energy exchange. And I, you know, what was so great is the people I had training with me were some of my favorite clients from behind the chair. So that's what made it so wonderful. And I was like, I just want more clients like this. Like I love being around yeah. that group of a people. So if anybody, like, it's hard to know people through a phone call. Oh, I got referred by so-and-so, but you know who referred them. So you can ask that person, Hey, tell me about your friend before I come and see her. Don't just say yes to everything that comes your way, because then you will end up with a book of business. That isn't what you want. And, right. no question. and then you're going to, of course, you're going to want to quit. Like, oh my gosh, whenever I thought about, should I still be teaching? I would like look at other things. Oh, I'm teaching late at night. I hate teaching at night. Well, that's, I'm doing, that's a choice I made. Or, oh, I said yes to this client who, you know, after the first five sessions, I didn't want anymore, but I keep scheduling her. Like that's my choice. And it's really hard to stomach, but you have to like make the choice to say no to those things. If you want to keep doing what you've got, why you've gotten to what you're doing. Totally. And that's like the number one thing of advice I give people is 
if you're feeling burnt out, or if you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling like low energy, it's usually like not your, it could be your salon environment, but it's more likely who you're surrounded by with each client. And it only takes like one client to like drain you your whole entire day. Or sometimes you're even your week. Like I remember I had this one client, bless her. She was so nice, but she was one of my very first clients that like negotiated a price on a base color when she came to the salon. And my boss was like, I'm not doing that. Jessica, you take her if you want. And I was like, okay. So it was like half the price of what we normally charge for a root color. And like, she would come every week for this root color or this blow dry or root color. She'd get color like every two weeks. And she was with me for like 12 years. And there was a point where like, sometimes after she'd leave, I'd literally go to my car and like bang my hands on the steering. Like she drove me fucking crazy. But like, she was a terrible tip, like the whole nine. And I'll never forget. She like, I think they moved for like a year and then they came back and I raised my prices to what they should have been. All of a sudden I was fine doing her hair. It was like, I think right. it was resentment because I wasn't charging her full price. She drove me nuts. And like, it's I, the, it was the energy exchange for sure. Like I, I, money is energy. And if you are not charging your rates, then you are going to resent someone no matter how nice they are. I mean, I had a client, she was paying my rates, but she was really the wrong client for me. And she was affecting the whole day, the whole day. She was affecting how I showed up for the next client because there's only five minutes in between and she wouldn't freaking leave. And then she would also like start to talk to my client and like make my client feel weird. I had to, um, she just, she would change her schedule all the time. And I was like, you are more work than you are worth. And so I, um, I actually was like, you know, like my travel schedule is really picking up because it was, was not a lie. And I said, I just think it's better if I find you an instructor who is consistent with you because of the pain that you're in. And so here's your $1,200 back. I like paid her back the sessions that she had already paid for. Oh, you guys, it like that breakup did not go well. She was very unhappy. She did not want to go. She wanted me to work with her still. And she, her true colors really came out like this anger in her that I had never seen. But like, I had this feeling the sun is in there and the email she sent me was so mean. And I just said, I'm sorry to feel this way. I really can't teach you after this email. This is inappropriate. And six months later, she tried to get back into my schedule. She emailed me again. And I said, here is the name of someone who is in your neighborhood who can teach you. And then I called the person up and I said, here's what this person is like. I know you need clients, but I need you to keep your boundaries. Otherwise, you're never going to want to teach again. <laughs> they love each other. They're having the best time together. <laughs> See, sometimes it's just not a right fit. And I feel like some people, like how hard for someone to give, like luckily with hair, we don't really pre-package like sessions like that. But when I right. did personal training, we did. So I can only imagine handing someone back a thousand or $2,000 and being like, I cannot even be in your space. Like that's a huge lesson because I feel like once you start doing someone's color, like they're invested in you. If they like how you did their hair, they're going to keep coming back and they come back every four to six weeks and they sit in your chair for two, three, four hours. Sometimes a lot of time. And you have to be able to protect your space and your energy and same with like working late or working weekends or saying yes to coming in early. Like that is all our, oh, yeah. but clients, it's not that clients are manipulative. It, it, human, like human nature is to get what you want. Like you're going to right. do say like the lady, I'll wear the mask. If you just let me come in your house and teach me, like she means well, yeah. but she, she, she means well for herself. Well, there's that whole idea that there's takers and givers. And I think those of us who are in, on the service side of the, of the exchange are givers just by nature. Takers are always going to see how much they can take. That doesn't mean you have to give it to them. And oftentimes if you just say, no, but I can do this for you. They're like, okay, they just, they're just going to see, just like you said, they're going to see how much they can get. It doesn't make them bad people. It's just, they also have been told if you don't get what you don't ask for, like the answer is always no. Like they're told all these things. What if I pay cash? Then you pay cash. I still have to run it through my system. <laughs> so, like, I don't know what to tell you. Right? Oh my God. So much. I could. Yeah. Um, so let's see if we can relate what you do to our industry a little bit more too. So when you started out teaching, were you ever in a space that you didn't love? Let's just like, for instance, someone's in a salon that they aren't obsessed with, but they stay because let's say they started there or they feel like if they leave that the salon won't give them their client list or their, so the salon won't let them know where they went to. Did you ever experience anything like that? Totally. Like ever, like even since my 
since my, my training, you know, when I was an apprentice, um, I was in a studio that I didn't want the clients to ever tell the studio owner that they loved having sessions with me because she didn't take it as positive. She took it as like, she worried I was going to steal her clients. Um, I mean, I would never do that. And also the thing is clients can, it's like the, the day of the internet, people can find you, but like, I, um, they're like, Oh my God, I want to do sessions with you every week and her every other week. I'm like, I think you should stick with her every week. Um, I'll sub, you know, because it was just such a toxic environment. And I made, I had a promise myself if I was like, even if she asked you to work here, you say no, because like, this is not the right environment for you. And so that was like my, that was really hard and scary because I just, I didn't, it's flattering to be asked to stay at someplace that's really known and respected expected, but I just couldn't, my soul couldn't be there. The other studios I worked at as a beginning teacher were the, my manager was really, really supportive of me. But this, um, when you're applied teacher, you actually work at multiple spaces oftentimes. So I was at one space where I had a really awesome manager who really helped me become who I am today. But I was in another space where the owner was never there. And so the teachers basically ran the place. I'm sure there are salons that are very similar. And there's these people who just think, well, I've been renting space from here for 20 years. So I can do what I want. It's like, no, we all pay the same rent, actually. And it was really um tricky to navigate those politics and also just like because you have your client in front of you and so you're like trying to get on other pieces of equipment you're trying to do things with them and the people were just really nasty and and trying to be the boss and so how I got out of that one to be honest like thank god the universe was on my side and they closed (laughs) and a couple people who I liked reopened a studio down the street and I worked for them but then things really changed and they they changed. Um, they changed how they manage things. They changed their attitudes. Instead of being abundance mindset and being really supportive, they became very scarcity mindset and like trying to keep things, like trying to have their hands and things that weren't theirs. And as an independent contractor, so I was not an employee. So I got all of my clients. I brought them to the studio. I had a YouTube channel. So they are actually benefiting from my YouTube channel because I would say I'm here at the studio, blah, blah, blah. And people were coming in and going, Oh, I watch your YouTube videos. And so I thought that that would be enough for them, but it they, it just really wasn't. And how I got out of that was when I decided to open my own studio. Um, when I realized um, it wasn't the right place for me to be for my clients to be for my energy to be as it was really scary um, and hard. And I, I'm not saying that that's the answer, but I do think what is important is when you go to find a space, you should really ask the owner or the person managing, like, what is their vision for it? Who are they wanting? Like, what did they want? What's the energy they want to have and the environment they want to have and like, see how their vision aligns with yours. It has to intersect somewhere. If it doesn't, it's not going to be awesome. And you chose to say yes to being there. And so I wish I had known that at every stage of the game. Because if I had known at the studio that the owner wasn't even involved, I would have known that that wasn't a great place for me as a young teacher trying to like navigate my business and all these people. And um, if I had known at the other studio that their ultimate goal was to like be the ones that were known in their space... I probably would have gotten out sooner because they would have seen me as competition. So I would have known that. And um, so I think it's just really important to actually interview. It's a two-way street. It's not just them deciding if you're right for the place. It's that you deciding if you're right for the place too. And, um, and just really knowing what your vision is and who you're trying to reach. Because if you're trying to reach a certain type of client that they're not attracting, that you're never going to be happy there. It's going to feel like an uphill battle. I know that everyone's relating to this so hard. I hope you guys are finding yourself in her story because like when she says studio, it's salon. When she says bosses changing, it's your owner. When, when she says you are just as much interviewing that studio or salon as they are interviewing you, like all of that is so relatable. And that's why I was so excited to have Leslie on because I know her journey has been similar to a lot of people who are in our industry with being an apprentice and assistant starting out at a salon, building the clientele, thinking you can't leave because they helped you so much. You owe it to them. Um, I know a lot of owners that make stylists feel like that as well. And sometimes, yes, there's so much poured into the new stylist or so much poured into the new staff that, of course, it's going to be an emotional connection. Of course, it's going to be difficult. But when you get into the industry and that, and that's why like the mastermind that Chris started was so... he He used a key phrase that resonated so hard with me. He said, this is for 
anyone who's found themselves to be an accidental entrepreneur, which is basically what we ended up being, right, Leslie? Like, yeah. (laughs) I definitely did not think I was ever going to be an entrepreneur. No, I got into hair to just work at a cool salon and like love what I did. And I think a lot of people go to beauty school or they go to, to train for Pilates or become a personal trainer because they want to be in control of their own business. They want to work in a fun environment. They want to do something they have passion and purpose behind. But very, and even they might even say, I want to own my own studio one day, but they don't follow that with, I want all the business bullshit that goes with it and the politics and the navigating and the managing the people and like learning your books and all that stuff. Like a lot of people like you and I are more like creatives. Like we're not like the super organized, like Brad, like, right. Or like Chris and Nick and um, I know my, thank God for my husband and that he now is on board with my companies. I just, um, met with another coach just for like a weekend to really dive into our roles because since COVID and our businesses has pivoted so much, like guys, we're talking, I don't even wake up in the same bed that I woke up in, in March. Like, <laughs> so everything is totally different. I was getting really frustrated with some things. And the reality is that because I founded these businesses and my name is all over them, that I was being called a CEO. I'm not a CEO. I'm a creative. I'm an artist. I'm a founder. I'm a leader. But I don't actually want to know all the stuff that the CEO has to know. And my husband is actually the CEO. And so we're like, whoa, then let's just change our titles. And like, just like that, life got so much better. <laughs> my God, that's crazy. And that like, that I feel like in our industry, people, there was one thing that I noticed because, you know, I started those networking brunches for hairdressers back in uh, January of last year. And they were a really a great space for like me to be able to connect with the industry, but also for us to come together because we give so much to our clients. I wanted to create that space. And what I kind of noticed was that like not many people play the CEO role in their business. Like they play that I'm the creative and I just do hair and I make money and I think I'm in the green and I can pay my bills and life is okay. Um, and the ones that I see being uber successful are the ones who are more open to running it like a business. And what I mean by that is like, they're taking, um, social media seriously. They're taking their brand seriously. They're taking the way they show up seriously. They're taking their business seriously. They're charging serious prices. Um, it's all of the things that I think now you teach your clients. I'm teaching my clients, which you work with your own people. I'm working with my own people. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it took this journey for us to get here. It's not like we jumped out of the gate knowing this shit. So, um, no, you have, we definitely like, I, you, you either need to learn by watching other people do it. And instead of judging, like, Oh, I hate how they do that. Go, why are they doing it that way? How would I do it differently? So like you can be pissed or annoyed, but like if you actually take as an opportunity, like I'm so grateful for all those experiences because then when I opened my own studio, I knew exactly what I didn't want to have. I knew exactly that what I didn't want to do. And it was, I'm great. I'm really grateful for them doing that. And so I think it's just really important that wherever you are, you know, if you have higher aspirations, which I hope you do, you're listening to this, you must what you are not liking, ask yourself why you don't like it. And what would you do differently instead of just judging them? Because also a lot of those people like just happen to become owners or happen to become so like, doesn't mean they went to a school for it. (laughs) So true. They're just doing the best that they can. And I think often what ends up happening is that, you know, nobody really likes to be confrontational. Nobody really wants to question the boss. Like you may be frustrated, but you know, my biggest, biggest, biggest thing that I tell people all the time is say something, communicate. If you're feeling some type of way, like Leslie just said, ask them, ask for a meeting with your boss or your manager to ask, why is this being done? Or why is this happening? And before you can give a defense or, well, I need it to be this way as the stylist, you know, try to put yourself in their shoes because often people are doing things for a specific reason, not just because. So I think once you can understand where, why things are being done, you'll, you'll, you'll get the then choice to decide. So like those people that left and opened the studio that you really liked, then they ended up changing. Um, that happens when you open a business because they were naive when they opened, they didn't know all the things oh, and then they, they know nothing. They didn't Oh, they didn't rent any studio before. And so they like, they got a studio that was a similar size that they were in. They didn't know like what, how to take a studio based on a rent. And they, uh, you know, they, they didn't realize that like having a ton of independent contractors is actually not really sustainable because like, they get to take off whenever they want. You don't get to control your revenue. And so like, you know, I, I, I love that. And I think it's, it's really easy to, to think that the owner also knows what's going on 
in the business, they don't actually know. You could say, Hey, I noticed you did this. And I was just wondering, like, uh, if you could tell me more about that decision. And I, I, it's making me feel like this. And I, I know that's not how it's supposed to be. So I just want to get some clarity on it. It doesn't have to be like this. Why are you doing it this way? It can be very conversational. They might not actually know how their actions are affecting all of those of you who are on the floor or on the salon floor. I don't know what to call it. We call it like a floor. But like, um, but I just, I think like, it's just easy to think that some things are a tax. I think everyone needs to read the four agreements, <laughs> read the four agreements and like, you know, don't be afraid. Like, uh, to to just get in there and find out what's going on because you'll learn something and you don't have to ever want to be an owner and you can still be an awesome uh, a stylist and make tons of money. Like there are so many different ways you can do that. Like I, when I managed studios, I had a, a, a teacher who was making more money than me teaching clients and I was managing the studio. Why? She never wanted to manage people and someone had offered it to her and I said, look, just so you know, here's what you're looking at. You really like doing this. What if you just like did it like this? And we are able to get her a higher rate, get her commission, like all the stuff. And so she could just do what she loved. It's so I think it's really, you know, there's a lot of different ways to be successful under whatever definition you want. And you don't have to always like keep rising a ladder or keep following the path that everyone does in the business. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. So uh, this may be a little off topic too, but you guys ended up moving. So you guys were LA for what the last seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. How long were you there forever? My husband and I didn't know each other, but we both moved to LA in 2007. He moved from Philly and I moved from Orange County. Uh, we met in end of 2013, um, started dating in 2014. We got married in 2015. And um, when 2016 was when like my accidental entrepreneurship really took hold um, and we had to make some big changes and we never thought we'd leave LA cause we had guys, we had the tiniest apartment, but we lived in the most amazing spot and had a backyard with rent control in LA. You just don't leave. And, um, we traveled every single month. I traveled the world teaching people how to teach Pilates, teaching retreats, teaching business courses. Um, so, uh, Brad ended up quitting his job and he had his own company for a while. And he would travel with me cause he could work from anywhere. Um, and then uh, in one of the masterminds, uh, he had a coach who actually was talking to him about like what he wanted in life and like what would make him happy. And the coach was really cool because he's like, you know, you can have all of that if you worked with your wife full time because she's doing that. <laughs> and so because and he'd asked you before, he's like, do you want your husband full time? I was like, oh, my God, I freaking love that. Like, I would love that. I need him full time or I need him no time. I need to hire somebody else. And so he came on full time in December of last year and we like started making massive changes in January and February. And we were in Cambodia, March 1st, the 14th, which like obviously March 11th is when the world health organization called us a, a worldwide pandemic. Um, and when we came back, uh, my studio was closed indefinitely by the mayor and, um, I was really lucky that I already had some diversity in my income uh, ish in that we were pushing most of the income to come from all the travel. Um, but I had been teaching clients virtually already. And my in-person clients had seen that. So I had clients in Poland and Australia. So they'd seen me teach people virtually and they, um, so when I told them I have to teach you virtually, they came on board and they were all, not all of them did. A lot of them did not. Um, but the ones that did ended up doing more sessions virtually. And, um, and so, uh, the reality hit really hard, um, that 60% of our income disappeared overnight. All of the retreats I had planned, all the workshops I had planned, we were supposed to be in eight countries by now and all of it gone. And who knows when we can do that again. Um, so in May, we were like, this is going to go on for a long time. And we live in a really small apartment with no AC. It's actually when you peel back the curtain and you take away all the glamour of our lives and you're like, oh, well, why are we here actually? And the reality is, is that um, we are like, we can move. All of my business is virtual. And so we moved, we got a house, we bought a house in Las Vegas we live in old Vegas. So like Frank Sinatra and Elvis used to live in our neighborhood and on our street. Like, so it's this really cute Palm Springs house. And, 
um, we had to pivot our entire business. So now I only teach online and I coach people and their business online. And, um, I do, we will bring the retreats back. Um, but, uh, a lot of things in our business might not come back and that's okay. Cause that's, that's the pivot we had to make. Wow. That's incredible. How cool. So how did you end up with Vegas? How did you, I know that you had shared that story before, but I'm just curious how you ended up. Oh, Vegas. Vegas? Yeah. So it's so weird. Cause I definitely never thought I'd ever live in Vegas, but, um, so, um, I went on a pop-up tour, uh, meaning that I, we wanted a road trip for the holidays because I hate flying in the holidays. I fly so much and people flying with people who don't fly ever. It's what you get when you fly in the holidays. And I also just have, I don't mind spending money. Like I invest in masterminds and like I invest in my hair and my lipstick, all that stuff. But I hate overpaying for a flight, hate it. And so, so I was like, let's road trip. And so we did it one year and people were like, are you teaching? classes, um, you know, on your trip. And I was like, you want classes? So then the next year, which is last holiday, we stopped in eight cities during the holidays. We taught hundreds of people, uh, Pilates and brought communities together and had a good time. And so we stopped in Vegas first and my brother lives here. So we're visiting with him and, you know, we thought we'd move in like 2021, 22, um, because we felt like it was time to get more space. Um, and we were looking at Hollywood, Florida because it looks like Palm Springs. It's on the beach and we had friends there. Um, but then we we're looking at in Vegas and we were like, um, you know, do people live here who don't work on the strip? Like, what's it like here? What's the weather like here? And the truth is we had a couple things we we're looking at, which is uh, we want to do more give back. We want to hire more people. It's really important to us. And uh, and so we're looking at states where that is actually easier to do. So, um, either we, you know, pay more in taxes and that goes to help people or we pay less in taxes and we can donate more. And so, um, Nevada has a really decent tax situation and we live 15 minutes from the airport and this international airport. So those were two things that we were looking for. And then, um, and then we got this 1950s house. It's so cute in the cutest neighborhood. And uh, we went from 500 square feet to five bedrooms, guys. I, it's like freaking crazy. It's like, I don't even, we, exactly. We have to yell at my husband and FaceTime me the other day. It's like, I, it's so weird speaking of going back to our beginning of our conversation, like on, on fear of success. Like it took a lot in me to not like I I had a hard time telling people how big the house was because I felt like um it just felt it felt weird to be like oh yeah this big beautiful house and the the reality is we pay the same that we did it's just like California is so expensive <laughs> and um but I had a really hard time because I didn't especially during a time when people are really struggling it felt um it just felt like I was like bragging. And the truth is, is that we just made a cha change in our life uh, that was necessary. And um, instead of waiting two years, we just moved now. And I think like, if you can take a step during this time and realize like, how is this happening for you? Like, what is COVID forcing us to do? And it really like forced us to get to spend time in one place and focus on like, what the heck are we doing? Why are we doing it? Who is it for? And what do we want out of this life? And the truth is what I really love is I really love helping people. I love it. I love it. And when I teach, I love it when I coach people and I have this desire that I actually really, really want to be someone who can be like an angel investor in women's businesses. Like I really want to do that to do that. I have to make more money to make more money, I had to be in a spot where I could like sit and create and think and focus. And COVID took away eight flights <laughs> to eight different countries and all these different things that I like doing and I could do. And I definitely miss a lot of it. But what I get to do is I get to now teach thousands of people flies around the world. And I get to teach hundreds of people on their business. And we're getting to a point where I'm going to have, I get to have a little bit of money set aside that I get to invest in women's businesses and I get to donate to charities. And now I have a different reason for showing up every day. And, um, you know, I, it, it took, I think I was looking for this two years ago, like when I was going to the Bliss Project and like for last year when I was in that mastermind and it, it took literally having most of my income taken away from me overnight to go, okay, what do you really want? 
And um, I, I have to tell you guys, like, it's not easy to pivot. And I know as salon, I feel for salon stylists and like also the teachers that I know who love to teach in person, the creativity you have to get to do what you love to like cut hair outside or, or whatever is really tough. But like, also, I hope that you also had this time to realize like other things that you can do and what you can teach. And like, now is the time you can create a course on something that you do really well. Like if in your business, if you got clients really, really well, you could teach a course on that. If you actually like learn to change your rates really, really well, you could teach a course on that. Maybe you actually learn how to like use filters on Instagram really well. I would love to buy that course. So like, I think we all have special talents and, and you can have something else while you're doing the thing that you love. Totally. I love that. And that's so awesome because one of the first girls that coached with me, um, you know, cause I'm new to the game too. Like, it's just me taking the exact advice you just gave. And it's like, what are the few things that I'm good at that I think I could teach and people would pay me to, to learn. And it's, I'm really good at holding people accountable. I'm really good at being a cheerleader and, and confidant to somebody. And I'm really good at strategizing whatever idea you say you think you want to do in helping you figure out how to take the first couple of steps. Because so many of us get stuck on step 50. Like we have to know, a lot of us are type A that are creatives too. Like we have to know that it's going to work out. We have to know the outcome. We have to know who's coming, when, where, what. And, you know, I'm really good at helping people just kind of calm it down and be like, let's just start and see if you even like it first. Because I think a lot of times you got to try stuff on. And after four months of coaching with me, you know, she had started off wanting to be this big, um, she was starting a Patreon where she wanted to teach hair techniques. And it was geared towards anybody, but more towards the client. And then that was becoming all consuming. And she goes, well, I think I'll go to YouTube. And so she dove into YouTube and was like, that's too, like, I, that's too consuming too. So I said, why don't we just drop it to IGTV? So she went through the IGTV. And while that was great, she really realized I'm, I, I'm good at this. So that's why I felt like I needed to teach it. I'm a really good hairstylist. So I felt like I needed to teach this. But what ended up coming out of the four months but she's like, I'm really organized and I'm really good at getting like the business foundational stuff set up. So out of nowhere, the girl who wanted to have this like show now created a course teaching behind the chair stylist how to start their business. Basically by, do you need an LLC? Do you need to be an S-corp? Do you need your, um, do you have a, a business account? Do you have a business accountant? Like I'm like, I had no idea you were like interested in that or that organized. Like she has a done for you service where she basically holds your hand and then she has a full printed PDF. Oh my God, I love it. Startup for hairdressers. Like, and it could be anybody who's been behind the chair, but just still doesn't have that shit set up. So she's in this big, beautiful salon now. Um, and she, she went from a smaller salon. She wasn't really paying attention to what other people needed. to now she's taking care of the needs of people around her. Cause she's like, Hey, do you have this? Oh, you don't have, oh, you don't have, oh, I could help you with that. And I, and she'd worked with me long enough to realize like, okay, this is something needed. I'm good at this. I like serving in this way. Boom. We created her a course that now she's going to profit on the side besides just doing hair. So it's, she wouldn't have known that unless she tried it on it. Like that's the thing. Like you just don't, you just don't get to know guys. You don't get to know the other side of all the work. You have to trust and be patient and be open to like, ask yourself along the way, am I having fun with this? Do I like this? Like, what do I like about this? And I, I love this story so much. It's amazing. It's just like being curious, like staying curious. Like what are the needs that are out there right now? Because, you know, with COVID, like the needs have shifted immensely. Like there is more of a need for online stuff. And I had a, I have a real block around education for myself, like teaching actual hair techniques. I love to teach this kind of like mindset coaching business stuff. So I had to like, get better at it. I had to go get coaches to try. I almost had to like reapprentice in the coaching world. Like I did 20 years ago for the technical part of being a hairdresser. So like I had to pretty much start all over and be the baby, which I had a hard time. Like my little ego was like, I can't like, how can I charge this little first? But you have to start somewhere to try it on to like build yourself back up. And also like, just remember like Oprah didn't become Oprah overnight. Can you imagine the pressure like if I think about what she does, the pressure to go from where I am today to where she is, it's crazy. You just have to start where you are and like, just try it. And I, I mean, like, I, I think it's really easy to get stuck in where we are and think that everything is happening to us. And these people are controlling what I can do. They actually are just taking away a distraction for a moment for you to just get curious 
in your life, you have no, if you're really open to it and you're an action taker, you'll get clarity. You'll get so much clarity. I'm, I, I'm really like, I, I'm sad for everyone who's suffering in so many ways, financially, physically, people are dying during this time, but also, you know, I still have to wake up every day. So what am I going to do? Cause I got lucky to still be here. How am I going to make the most of it? How do I see that this is happening for me? And, and I, I have to like everything we've done is not because we are magical and magicians. It's just because we're open to like, what can we do right now with what we have available to us? And what do people need? And you'd be surprised. You'd be really surprised. So I love, I love you. I could talk to you for hours. Yeah, let's end on that. That's a great one. We'll have to do We'll have to do a recap of how we ended 2020. We'll do an end of the year, like uh, catch up again yeah. for everybody. I think once the podcast is fully launched, cause that should be by we're recording this at the beginning of September. I probably will have the new site and everything launched at the beginning of October. So they probably won't get to hear this till then, but um, we will yeah. definitely do like a January or whatever and see where we're at again. Done. Done. And where can people find you? Because I, I know this is so needed and I know so many of us um, in the industry need to be taking better care of ourselves. And I love what you said earlier in the live about Pilates is just an addition to anything else that you might love to do as far as like moving your body. So where can we find you and follow you? Yeah. So oh, yeah, you can follow me on, on Instagram at leslie.logan, L-E-S-L-E-Y dot L-O-G-A-N. And you can get tons of Pilates free tutorial and also online classes with me um, at onlinepilatesclasses.com. Fabulous. Okay. Thank you so much. If you guys love the show, please, please, please tag your takeaways and tag us and then post it on some social media goodies so we can know all the things. Um, and if there's a special guest you'd like to see on the show, please let me know. I would love to hear from you. And as always, beauty inspires beauty. So take care and we'll talk to you soon. Oh, 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 oh